They're taking cherubim pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub... Do you remember Rochelle, Tim? Kind of. Yeah, we used to have a thing back at uni. Mm. Anyway, she's since gone on to become a supermodel. Get this, she's called me up the other day looking for a good time. Whoa. Handy. I know, right? I know. This presented me with a very serious dilemma, though, because I wasn't sure if I should recommend to her that she fish shady or shoal bay. What? Oh, come on. Are you serious? What? Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Andy, you hooked what? Yeah, a whale. Like like a horse? No, no, I hooked an actual whale. Oh, so what? So bigger than a donkey? So it was, what, like a 125, was it? No, Tim, it was a real whale. I hooked a whale. I was fishing the mouth of the east this week. Busted me off, of course. Uh, I was on the light thread line, the thousand thread line and the ten pound braid. Uh, but I actually hooked a whale. It was incredible. <laughs> it's a true story, Fish Eyes, did you? Well, kind of. I mean, it's, it's true that like actual true that there's an actual whale at the mouth of the east and the river's closed to fishos as a result not not true <laughs> it's not true is it no it's, well no it's not true that i hooked it that was a, uh, i did have that dream though well you had a dream about hooking that whale i dreamt that i hooked you are the whale. a really weird dude sometimes yeah, man you're that, just a bit weird can i just say that was <laughs> after it was already in the news so it was not like a premonition or anything like that what a fascinating story though i have been watching this with bated breath mm, the big one was up to 15 meters wasn't it yeah 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 and it's pushing it's still pushing its way um, up the river from what i understand so i think it's just going to be interesting to see how it ends yeah a bit more yeah that that's what that's been the chatter through the weekend and we'll occupy some more of the chatter on the tinny throughout this week. Mm. A further evidence, I don't know if you noted this, that the new NT Labor government has taken inspiration from uh, tales from the tinny fishing first party, TFT, FFP, vote one, vote often. I mean, it was confirmed as much last week by the new um, freshly minted uh, Northern Territory Rec- Fishing Minister, uh, Paul Kirby, that mm. his position, his ministry and his, um, uh, his department only exists because of TFT, FFP. Yep. Uh, but did you hear um, Michael Gunner, the Chief Minister, t- taking up the, the, the tinny mantra and dropping the F-bomb during a live radio interview? Yeah, the influence just goes on, doesn't it? I mean, that, and they, they, this is what we talk... It's a clear talk, correlation. It's what it? we talk about, Tim. It's not you don't have to change the world in one hit. It is you <laughs> incrementally ratchet yourself to success. And that's what we're doing. The other one you might have heard, too, was the announcement of the Deputy, uh, the deputy Chief opposition leader that's not really the title but you know the second in charge when you're not in government yep him he gave his speech in the media and guess what he said when he was did he drop an f-bomb as well no 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 but he took up some more tin influence because he was explaining to the public why he is a good person to be deputy Uh, and aside from his credentials of being a former family lawyer and some other stuff he says uh, i also spent a lot of time camping and fishing yes see that's that's just because of tft ffp of course it is of course it is that's that's the credentials um and yeah, they get influenced. How was um, it's great? 
How was your mentoring on the weekend? You took a young kid out to mentor the child. Oh, we mentored the hell out of the harbour. It was uh, on the fishing side. It was seriously unbelievable. The out around the six mile um, buoy, sort of between there and Mandora, and then back to East Point, and a little bit further out. The the spotted mackerel. I've never experienced anything like it. We we would have um, between us hooked twenty plus of them, boated our keep. Uh, lost a heap to, to big, big sharks. I had a shark, I had a three-metre shark follow a one-inch lure at one point. Like mm. I was trying to eat my lure. It was just incredible. Amazing fishing. So in terms of mentorship, yes. how has this child come out better off thanks to what uh, he's learnt from you? Oh, I think I probably learnt more from him, to be honest with you. We, we, did we, you provide any leadership or, or actual mentorship? In, I, I did at one point. Um, or did you just go to water? Like a giddy little squealing schoolgirl, a bit of bit of everything. Mm. A couple of things happened. First of all, this was interesting because we set off and the motor wouldn't start. So I've just had it serviced. The motor didn't start. That's not very good mentoring. Not a good start. Um, but what do you do? You turn it around and you say that there's always a plan B. What are we going to do? We're not just going to pack up and go home. So we, we we set sail on the electric. So we actually to where to the harbour. We just did the flats along um, along the just out out at the front of the boat ramp. So it was still going to fish. I'd charged the electric the night before. said, let's go. We're just going to go a lot slower. So life moved really slowly for about three hours until the young lad managed to fix the motor while I was casting. He was really mentoring you. <laughs> he was mentoring What was wrong with it? Uh, the, Some isolator switch? They'd replaced the kill switch, um, but it had the old clip on it. So he's tried a different clip and obviously the oh, kill... Was that simple? It was that simple. And I'm thinking, you probably just saved me three grand. I'm thinking the whole lot, cracked head new impeller you know but he's just yeah 20, he's, 20 cent part he's mentored Brilliant. the hell out of you yep um as you've attempted to mentor the hell out of the harbour <laughs> so we set sail it was fantastic uh out we go clean up on the mackerel then then this happened we, we, we're fishing our own school that we've very carefully um corralled in silence with the electric there's no other boats as far as the eye can see and this big white boat comes right up behind us i'm thinking you, you've got to pull up soon like you're actually going to hit us it doesn't pull up. It goes right in front of us between my cast deck and the school of bust-up mackerel and then proceeds to catch three max right in front of us. Oh, how rude. Out of our school. So we had a bit of a chat about that from a mentoring perspective. Um, <laughs> he, he wanted to let loose. And, and I said, look, sometimes there's a time just to, to bite your tongue and know that there's a thing called karma out there. That'll come back. That'll come back and get him. Mm. Yeah, so amazing. How was your week? Or don't we have time for that? We've got to get into the show. We do now. <laughs> I'm going to have to try and get the metre barra in one hand with the net while I've still got the hand line going with the other ones. Lesson learned. Tales from the Timmy. And Timmy might have heard uh, relatively breaking news. A couple of fishos rescued from the water out off Dundee Beach when their boat uh, sunk and they had to activate their emergency device. So a 68-year-old man and a 67-year-old woman the watch commander at the time, um, Bruce Payne, spoke to ABC. The story was the couple had launched their boat from Dundee early in the morning, made their way to a fishing spot near Point Blaze. Shortly after they anchored, they observed water coming in the uh, rear of the boat. They attempted to lift the anchor to get mobile, but uh, the anchor was stuck, um, and then the boat quickly sank. Both passengers ended up in the water. The male dived down to the boat a number of times and was able to retrieve and activate the EPIRB. And uh, they were rescued after spending approximately two hours in the water. 
it's uh, quite important to note that the EPIRB was co- correctly registered, which um, assisted police in responding to the incident. Yeah, pretty scary stuff. And Imagine diving down oh, like a number of times trying to get that EPIRB out. I've got a mate that had a sunk boat as well, and all the safety gear was under the front cast deck. On top of that was his swag and all the stuff. It's always you know, It's just we'll have to chase that up and um, see if we can talk to some yeah, of the people involved. Trust and hope they're well. They're no doubt pretty um, pretty shaken. Yeah, minor injuries, that was the report. But, okay. you know, that's Good. minor physical injuries. I'd be... <laughs> yeah, your brain would be hurting. My brain would be hurting. Andy, 2020 hasn't been a great year for most of us. It's been sort of the opposite to icing on a cake, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's, been... I suppose it's been good for accountants. They've had a lot of work on their plate. Yes. Uh, it's been, been good for gardeners. They've, they've had a nice time. Been good for the hardware stores. Good, good for the retailers with toilet paper. Excellent for toilet paper manufacturers and retailers. Not, not so great for the rest of us. I mean, you think you've had a bad year. Andrew Veal, a.k.a. Veely, a.k.a. the Don of the... Uh, uh, the dinghy derby, the dinghy dash out at Kununurra, and also the proud owner of the mighty vessel Titan Uranus, uh, has had an absolutely <laughs> douse year. Really, is it just been coronavirus? Oh, no, the coronavirus um, just sort of kept everyone at home, which is pretty annoying when you want to go fishing. But, um, yeah, I got over all that, and um, my back deteriorated really badly, and um, I've had a bit of an issue getting surgery on it, and... Uh, yeah, so uh, I've had a pretty shit year walking around. They're going to replace a, uh, a vertebrae in my spine, which will be a lot of fun at the time, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, I'll be able to walk, and I'll be able to walk up and down creeks and have a flick, and that's what I'm really hanging out for. A few weeks ago, about seven weeks ago, I was um, mucking around in my workshop, welding up a dinghy, and uh, lost control of the angle grinder with a cutting disc in it and nearly cut off my left index finger. Ooh. Oh, no. Big nine-inch... Really? No, no, just a little five inch, but yeah, still done the damage. That'll the do the inches. job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Nine, nine, nine inches are banned from my workshop from previous accidents. I'm like, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Basically, the blade hit me in the hand and, and um, split my hand and ran up my hand and um, down my finger and cut the tendons and the bone and just munched it up a bit, you know, and spat it out. And then, uh, yeah, I've had a brace on my hand, which I'm still wearing um, to, to keep everything in place. But I thought I'd be brave and go fishing the other day with me mate Dave. Sounds like you deserve it. <laughs> with the brace. And the inability to walk, really. Yeah, well, I've got seats in the boat, so I was sitting down. But the brace was a bit of an issue with the rod. Um, I knew I was going to lose the rod, so I actually slipped the brace off. But don't, don't, don't be into the doctor on that one. <laughs> we won't, <laughs> um, Jason, <laughs> Peterson. No. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, we're having a lovely little bit of a troll up and down yellow water there. And um, and we were we were hooking barrel left, right and centre, actually. It was pretty well going off um, the first night of the um, no moon sort of thing. And one of the fish that we got was a 58 centimetre and it had a red tag hanging out of it, Series 6 this year. You know, I registered two weeks ago and I reckon that Gunner should really stand up seeing he's given our bucket some money and honour this. <laughs> Oh, especially, we, we, Tim, the tinny needs to be advocates here. What a if year. If ever there was a case, if ever there was a case to bend the rules a little bit, this He's is the bloke up. we need to do. He's got a man up. I reckon <laughs> you're part of his budget plan. He, he made them really hungry when he released them there last week. So they'd all be caught this week and there'll be nothing left. What did, you do, them. What did, what did you do in 2019 to bring on the curse, Billy? I don't know, mate. I don't actually remember running over those people, but, you know. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear it, man. What a shocker. Um, how how yeah. was the rest of the fishing at Yellow Waters, though? Um, yeah, spot on. Yeah, it was. Um, I picked the uh, the moon right and everything, and, and we got down there, and yeah, they were on the tube. Um, I reckon that we dropped probably four or five meteries. Um, they were just coming up and buffing the lures and throwing the lures at us. In and, Yellow Waters? Uh, yeah. And um, I hooked one up and had him on for a while. Um, Dave hooked one up. He had him on for a while. Um, they just weren't hooking really well. Uh, we got the three in the 50s, and in our mid-50s, and we probably dropped 20 fish. I think I might have to sharpen my hooks. Yeah, that mightn't be a bad idea. Just don't sharpen <laughs> them with the angle grinder. And don't sharpen them so much that they end up in the back of your head because that's what's going to happen in 2020. <laughs> you, 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 brother, you might be better running with blunt hooks, just quietly. <laughs> that might be a, a mitigation. Hey, tell us, were you, were you casting at these or were you trolling up, the, up and down we're, the building? No, we were casting. We got a few on the cast. And, Sur- surface um, casting, surface lures? Poppers. Um, Fizzers on the surface. Mm. Awesome. And um, rubbers. Um, and trolling the rubbers as well was working. Yeah, as Andy and I were out there in the dry season when it's always tough fishing because of the conditions, but clearly now it's just starting to turn on. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, the water was very, very murky, and there was lots of weed floating around it, so the troll was a bit annoying because, you know, every 20 feet you'd have to clear the lure. But um, it was it was productive. Um, we were constantly, we, we couldn't trawl more than 50 to 100 metres without getting a hook up of some sort. Fantastic. Yeah, well, that's yeah, look, so it was a great night. That's really, really encouraging. And I, I reckon, Vili, that's a sign of things to come. I mean, this is where the market has just turned and started to head up for you. Well, it was it was the sign of things to come until he caught a red tag from season six. But then I knew that things were really, really bad still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Gunner, I didn't vote for you, but will you please pay up? <laughs> See ya, Vili. <laughs> See you later, fellas. From across the vast expanses of the wild and untamed top end, intrepid tinny correspondents risk rampage and ridicule from crewmates to bring you the truth. Incoming, incoming, incoming. Howdy, everyone on the tinny. This is Pete here from Humpty Doo. Just out on Corroboree, little solo mission. It's Monday Arvo. Sun's about an hour from going down. Thought I'd get out of here and try and troll me up a big barra. Don't really care. Just having a couple of tinnies, enjoying it. Floating around with the big monster crocodiles. Yeah, if I could snag a couple, I'll be stoked. Check back in if I can hook one. Right, I got a bar. Took me ages to get that going. Oh. Going down near the prop, swimming around. It's just on dark. I'm stoked, that crabbery. Uh, he's fighting a little bit. He might be right. Oh, he's looking good. He's looking good. So, uh, I'm guessing 70 centimetre fish, maybe plus, maybe 80. I'm f***ing thrilled, mate. Just about to net it. Going solo, so uh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here's a good fish. He's solid too. He's in the net. He's in the net. <laughs> he is fat, boy. He is fat. All right. Oh, holy. Nice. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I've seen fish on the. Ooh, so there's a big croc under us on the sounder. Oh, I might just move this boat. Woo! Love it. I am stoked. It's a good fish. It is a solid fish. It's no monster lengthwise, but um, yeah, we're looking. Very 70 plus. He's fat. That's a parrot. 
that's all that matters. Yeah. Oh, so stoked. That's how you do a Coro, folks, right there. That's how you download the free Tales in the Tinny Field recording app um, via your phone system. Uh, you press go, and you just tell us how you just absolutely nailed it. You record it as it happens for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to, to go back in decades to come and listen to the podcast where great-great-grandpa Pete nailed that barra on the bong. Probably easiest if you just send us a message, um, ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook or email fishing at abc.net.au. Then we'll just send you the link. Press go on the link. It's on your phone. Uh, and you can record you or your mates when they're being idiots, you know, or making fools of themselves. Put it on the radio. We'll make a bigger fool of them on your behalf. So in every pub and club across the top end this week, Andy, there's only been one debate on the on the lips of the punters, mm. as you'd know. Mm. There, there has been, and that's the fluoro pink or drop bear. Yeah, oh, I think no. I'm showing my age there, aren't I? You are showing your age, actually. They, they were, were they were trending. Yeah, they were trending a couple of decades ago. Along Naughties. with along with doubles. Yeah, <laughs> Dave Bikini Dave spotted me the double the other day, and he goes, "Mate, we're not in the eighties." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. So that has not been the debate occupying the minds what? of the no, 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 it hasn't <laughs> of the congregation. Mm. The debate's mostly been how long before a family of fifteen metre humpback whales gets stranded in the East Alligator and mauled by salties. Yep. Uh, as it's beamed across the nation, live on breakfast telly, you know, from the chopper. Beamed to an aghast nation, mouths agape, kids spewing out their cereal and crumbling in terror at the horror, the sheer gruesome horrors, 48 big-ass salties nail a stranded whale on a sandbar at the mouth of the east. That's been the discussion in the past, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's it, it, it's an epic thing you can just see. Oh, it's, yeah. it's the make, we, making of a movie. We can all see it coming. Marine yeah. ecologist Jason Fowler was the one who saw them first. He was down the east on his yacht. We came around a big bend in the east alligator early in the morning and I saw a big blow on the horizon and I pointed it out to the crew. I said, oh, look, you know, dolphin. But in my mind, I was thinking, well, that's way too big to be a dolphin. There's about four hours of raging debate on board. We had all our all our guidebooks out. We were looking at the whale diagrams, and I was looking up photos on my computer. And Yeah, it took us a long time to settle on the fact that we were actually looking at humpback whales. We didn't expect it at all. I think I counted three. Um, there was a, certainly two big adults, and there was one that was a bit smaller, a sub-adult. The woman with the longest title in the Northern Territory government reckons... They're going to need some kick-ass subwoofers and underwater speakers to save the beast from its impending doom, Andy. Oh, yeah. NT Government, Department of Environment and Natural Resources, Flora and Fauna Division, Marine Ecosystem, Senior <laughs> Scientists, Dolphins and Whales slash Cetaceans, Dr. Carol Palmer, the woman who we know and love as our resident dolphin, orca and whale boffin, or the D-Palm, uh, she says they'll be out there to watch its behaviour, jam a satellite tag into it, and then consider using orca and whale sounds underwater to coax it back out to sea. Our tidal rivers and 
actually our harbours and things are really, really noisy anyway underwater because of our big tides and fish. and So it can make it a little bit hard to implement that kind of thing because it's naturally really noisy. We're 100% sure there's one. We did record a second one, again, using the photo identification of the dorsal fin, but we haven't seen that second one since. Couldn't you just get the crew from the Baronats or the Classic, which weren't run this year because of COVID, you know when that shotgun sounds at the start and you get five million boats just full noise tearing down the water in a, in, in a line in waves and waves and waves? Yes. Run that crew. They're begging to do it. Run that crew out the front of the east. That'll push them out to sea. And the Darwin Fly Rodders 2020 Saltwater Fly Fishing Challenge was held over the weekend down at Bino, Tim. Congratulations to Tim Harding, who got uh, champion angler, and Warren and Jared Jeffrey, who got the champion team third year in a row. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Back to back. Um, some of the stats, seven barra caught. Wow. Seven? Seven. 105 salmon, 105 salmon, 266 queenies, 276, uh, 76 snapper. Yeah, that's more... Isn't that because that's what they've been targeting for points? Yeah, I think so. And then 579 trevally. Well, so, there you go. Yep. So that's 1,359 fish caught in total between 22 competitors. So that's an average of, well, I calculated this, Tim. We like the stat, 61.77 fish <laughs> per angler. That's excellent, isn't mm. it? It's a, it's a massive stat. It's great. It's a good stat. Anyway, uh, this weekend, two billfish comps uh, combined. The annual Darwin Game Fishing Club's billfish bash. Uh-huh. Uh, combines, of course, with the next round of the Top End Billfish Series. So you've got to wonder whether there's any garfish left in the NT at the moment mm. um, after all the teams fill their eskies to bait up. Anyway, it could be a huge weekend. That will be. And we'll definitely get the lowdown on that uh, for next week's show, all that stick face action to look forward to. I'm looking forward to the stick face news next week, particularly um, whoever we talk to grimacing as we call them stick faces or stick fi or stick <laughs> yeah. or stick feces. Yeah, or stickies. <laughs> <laughs> Can we call them stick feces? I don't, I don't think, so. think that's appropriate, but that's I'll okay. T- I'll tell you one thing, that the the purest stick face angler mm. does not like them being referred to as stick face or stick faces. No. Or stick feces. And in other news, Tim, a hundred more barra are going to be released across a number of Palmerston lakes, but... There's a difference here. They're not finglings this time. They're already 45s. That's excellent. Yeah. Proper. It's fantastic. So anyway, all those Palmerston Lakes, they do have a strict catch and release policy. Um, and that coincides very neatly with a new Barramundi fishing competition kicking oh. off later this month. And that's hey, hey. that's organised by the Palmerston City Council. Hey, hang on. Mm. You're telling me the Northern Territory Government released Barra in the Lakes. Correct. Then Council launched a comp to catch Barra in the Lakes. <laughs> Correct. Like a council and a government department talked to each other and coordinated a rollout in a sort of seamless, timely and logical fashion. Correct. Was there a local Labor component? Probably. Any red tape? Zero. This new rec fishing minister really getting some runs on the board early, Andy. Mm, mm. Quite impressive. There's nothing we love more in the tinny than interdepartmental chatter and correspondence and memos. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's collaboration it's of, of a non-tinny type. And almost more exciting than the whale story. So the way that works in practice is they'll tag and release a whole lot of fish across the lakes in Palmerston, and you can catch one and win a prize. But uh, Deputy Mayor Amber Garden concedes that they're up against some pretty stiff competition. Are there prizes? Yes. Is it a million dollars? No, unfortunately. Um, but look, it's, it's about getting out there. It's about utilising our parks, utilising our lakes, um, fishing, which is the best um, NT kind of pastime. 
tick off that bucket list of catching a barrow? There will be prizes, uh, but they won't be a million bucks. No, they'll be about 20 bucks, I think, or 25 bucks. We could maybe throw some stickers in. Amber? Yeah. Amber, can you get on to the beard, fishing at abc.net.au? He'll get Neville. He'll get some stickers out to you for prizes. Yeah, good idea. Good idea, Tim. Things are definitely looking up in terms of collaboration, Tim, because the Palmo Council's even uh, quoted a study by the Curtin University of Technology Centre of Excellence for Science, Seafood and Health. Wow, that That, actually exists. It does. Um, That's the C-O-E-S-S-H, if you're... Sort of in if you care. an acronym type mood, they found that there's considerable health and well-being benefits um, that are gained through involvement in recreational fishing. Well, we know that. Yes, but this is actually we, we know that because we talk to our mates at the pub. But this is but, but now an, a boffin at Curtin University it's an empirical is telling study. us. Yeah, yeah. We, we, it's called evidence. We, all they needed yeah. to come just come to the just come church. And ask, come and ask us. Just come and ask. Come and ask us. You don't need any of these questions. Don't, you don't waste need your millions money. on the grants. No, we knew that, didn't we? <laughs> 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 and we know that. Yeah, but you didn't get a PhD out of it, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, over to you. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a boy. Fisho's bucket list fish. They're different for everybody. For you, it might just be a metery. But for some fishos, it's a fish that's shrouded in even more mystique. It's not just a metery. It's a Darwin Harbour metery. Now, so few of these are actually caught that every time it happens, we pretty much have to hit the fisho up and find out what happened. The latest fisho to have actually found this holy grail is uh, the mustachioed Marty Brain. Congratulations, Marty. Good afternoon, fishos. It was uh, certainly an unexpected uh, event, but a very welcome one. Before we actually get onto the details of the catch, maybe you can set some context uh, for anybody who doesn't know about why is this such a big deal, something catching a metery in the harbour. I've talked to people about it before. Like, uh, some people reckon that you need a big uh, salt pan flat or um, uh, billabongs up the back of um, big fish areas. Like Shoal Bay tends to hold a lot of larger fish, but they've got uh, big floodplains out the back of, uh, of that catchment as well so um, I'm guessing that that's why there's bigger fish there but um, I don't know it could have swum up from down at Fog Bay or it could have swum around from uh, Shoal Bay it's hard to say where, where, where it's come from but yeah I, I think most people will, will agree that the uh, average size fish in the harbour is 60 70 centimetres so yeah it is is an exceptional thing when you can see one of those magnificent specimens in the harbour it's great and the particular afternoon that we, we caught this one, there was really nothing much happening. Um, the water conditions looked great, clarity, fantastic, bait fish all over the place, birds working, you name it, it was all happening, but uh, the, the fish themselves were were not. Uh, I reckon I'd been casting for about three hours prior to, to the big girl turning up, and it seriously was the only bite I had all afternoon for any species. Well, I think uh, there was three of us fishing, We'd uh, landed a, a small blue salmon, junior cod, and uh, I think a, a mocha catfish. We were fishing the incoming tide on uh, one of the harbour flats. You could see a boat ramp from where we were, so it was um, fairly close by traffic and lights and noise. But that's the wonderful thing about living up here in the top end and, and uh, fishing those types of areas. You just never know. It's like bloody winning the lottery, really. Malu was halfway back to the boat. Yeah, the big girl just erupted right in front of my eyes and I, I alerted the boys straight away that we had a horse tethered up to my string. 
yeah, Josh sort of headed the boat out away from the mangroves a little bit, but she behaved herself, didn't head out uh, into the mangroves or anything like that. She just uh, yeah, behaved, behaved fantastically. So what were you chucking? A favourite lure of mine, it's a popper and a, and a shallow diver at the same time. I think we all know what, what I'm talking about. And uh, so I was working it all the way back to the boat and, and uh, the big fish must have seen it doing its thing on the surf and just went berserk and climbed all over it. At the very same time, I might add, um, my mate Josh had uh, the very same lure on and he got belted at the same time by another serious fish. So they must have been travelling around in a small pod of a school. I don't call them pods if they're that big, can't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can say. Yeah, as long as they're not dolphins. So did you see this? Did you see the big girl before she actually took it? No, I had no idea that, it, that she was there. Like I say, it was incoming tide, so um, pretty much we'll miss the window. By that time, I think it was a bit too much water on the flats uh, for what we normally like, but I reckon there's about uh, maybe 80 centimetres of water under the boat, something like that. And, uh, yeah, so just come up and walloped it. And how far from the mangroves actually were you? I reckon probably um, 25 metres, something like that. So it was well away from the mangroves when, when she hit. And a beautiful-looking fish. The, uh, she was really deep-chested. It's more like uh, the type of barrier metre you expect to pull out of the Daly River, I reckon. Um, normally when you're, you're talking harbour fish, they're longer, long silver skinny things, you know. And, but this thing was an exceptional-looking looking fish it was a fantastic looking specimen and i tell you what I, i've um, annoyed a few meteries over the past 15 years i haven't mentioned it have i that um, the last one i caught was uh during a barra classic event 101 15 years ago so i have annoyed a few since then but uh haven't managed to boat one so it's, it's been more like a a gorilla on my back rather than a monkey so the gorilla's gone the gorilla is gone and that gorilla, as far as I'm concerned, can go and get stuffed. Yeah, I agree with you, Andy. We cannot and we will not stand idly by while fishos, um, let's face it, some, Andy, with bad backs already, mm. walk around with gorillas and monkeys and other large primates on their backs. Yep, it's not right. It's not reasonable, it's not practical, it's not fashionable, it's not even hygienic, and by God, it's certainly not ergonomic to have a large semi-aggressive no doubt um, primate on your back when you've already got lower back pain and frankly it's it's a disaster waiting to happen i mean picture it fish on a boat a distinctly bananaless boat of course there's no bananas on this boat no of course not how is that situation <laughs> going to do anything i see you've got a primate on your back uh-huh cranky primate on your back. In a bananaless boat. On your boat with no bananas. How on earth is that situation going to do anything <laughs> but aggravate an already clingy, clingy angry yeah. monkey on the back? You're just asking, you're asking for trouble. The tinny says no to aggressive primates on backs on bananaless boats. <laughs> Although it would be some weird tan lines after you eventually do get rid of the, the primate off your back, wouldn't it? Uh, my name is Andy. My wife Nat and I took advantage of uh, some tourism uh, vouchers uh, a couple of weeks back and went up to uh, Willoughby Outstation, packed the boat, did everything we could to sort of make sure we had lots of spares and everything we needed. 
got there, wind blew up a bit, which wasn't too bad because we stayed mostly sort of around the, uh, the coast. There's some good shallow reef there. After a few hours of sort of failed attempts at bottom bashing, we worked out we could uh, do a bit of trawling and uh, pick up some nice trout, which uh, worked out pretty well. Had a bit of yin and yang with the, the good fishing, but at the same time hooked up to a uh, what turned out to be a big manta. And after about 13 uh, minutes of useless GoPro footage of us spinning around in circles, uh, line and bait caster snapped at the exact same time. So I had a great time there. The, uh, the esky was full. On the last night, we uh, retrieved the boat just on sunset and uh, couldn't help but notice that it was sitting um, a bit odd, a little, little low on the, um, the mud guards. And uh, when we did get out of the water, noticed that the, uh, the rear cross member on the trailer had a giant crack and um, the roller wasn't even touching the keel. Sort of just went on enjoying the last night at the resort. When we woke up in the morning and having a closer look at things and sort of remembering uh, back to uh, Wadi's experience that we'd heard about on the tinny, we thought, oh, we'll go see if... Uh, we can chop down a tree and maybe uh, rig something up. And uh, although you can tell sort of by listening, I am Canadian, uh, I'm also very lazy. So I'm not quite maybe the lumberjack that Wadi is. And um, while I was looking for a good chunk of wood that I didn't want to actually have to chop down, um, I realized that we'd stash the high lift jack in the cruiser, that it was going to be much easier just to strip all the, uh, the gear off the bar of the high lift jack, cob and co that to the trailer, we managed to get the, the Land Cruiser jack under the rear cross member, holding the high lift bar across the back, and jacked it up to the point where the, bar, the, the cross member no longer had a crack and the keel was sitting on the roller as it should be and supporting the weight properly. And then um, luckily Ruben, uh, the host, had uh, some old fencing wire that we were able to appropriate uh, through all the holes of the high lift jack. Nat used her Parker Ranger skills and uh, the learned Cobb and Co. method to, uh, to bind the high lift jack to the cross member and to the, uh, the side I-beams of the, uh, the trailer to ensure that uh, the weight was supported and it was going to survive the numerous corrugations and uh, joys of the road back, uh, back from uh, Coburg. Because the Coburg road's not exactly known as a uh, smooth outback highway trailer didn't budge and um, definitely a worthwhile trip although yeah the trailer is still sort of up on blocks awaiting uh, quotes and repairs and things um, we've got a, a good stash of fillets to uh, to get us by until that gets fixed and um, if there's one thing to say it's you know always make sure you've got fencing wire and maybe a few other essentials like a high lift jacket Gee, that's not bad, is it? Brace the crack trailer cross member with a high lift jack. Uh, do you have a, an equivalent moment of improvised uh, brilliance, Andy? <laughs> or was it just that moment when the kid, the teenager you were supposed to be mentoring, solved your motor problem not starting after three hours by putting a clip in the, the kill switch? Yeah, I think that's the most recent brilliance. Yep. Yeah, it's vicarious brilliance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to claim it directly. He mentioned too, uh, Andrew, um, what his efforts 
bracing his mate's uh, mixed trailer with a chopped down tree. Remember yeah, that? I recall that. Yeah. Then, yep. then they came a dollar thirty along the highway. It might have been a yeah. dollar. Yeah. Might have been a dollar ten, but it, it was a while ago now. So mm-hmm. I recall it as at least a dollar thirty along the Arnhem Highway back to town. For all we know, it's probably still on there. It was such a good jerry rigged job. Split second. <laughs> It's about the hook at the end of the pet's boat, right at the edge. They're a tough fish to catch. Tales from the tinny. Get a mullet up your bras. Tim, we often say, don't we, that if you don't own it, then someone else is going to own it for you, yeah? It's very consistent philosophy of the tinny, and, and there is a bit of a middle ground here too, I think, Andy, that uh, just as an aside, mm. if you don't own it or you don't divert and distract, which is your other option, then we'll own it for you. So t- take that Gary play that Warren made the other week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Trying to just flick pass. Well, Gary predicted that we were not going to get any more wind in August this year. And within three or four days after he's saying that to me, holy dooly. So you're saying it's not your fault because you spoke to a bloke <laughs> called Gary? Yeah, exactly. Okay, anytime yeah, Warren gets a weather out. prediction wrong again, it's Gary's fault. He didn't own it himself. He instead... Very quickly, very efficiently, very very subtly, uh, diverted to some fellow called Gary. Yeah, and there's some real TFT um, sort of contextual philosophy behind that, Tim. The whole concept of, of being a Gary or a Jimmy, they're very different beings. I mean, a Jimmy, of course, is there in times of triumph. He's the hero. It's all about the hero, and that's the Jimmy. On, Jimmy, Jimmy, I need you, brother, I need you. Run, Jimmy. Right, Jimmy. Run, Jimmy! I'd aspire to be a Jimmy. The Gary, on the other hand, is he's more um, the scapegoat. He's more the, he's more the person that you bring in in times of tragedy, tragedy perhaps that you don't want to own. So you'd say something like, uh, oh, and then we had a miraculous landing with a broken net with a hole in it. Uh, Jimmy swept in and, and, and grabbed it with his bare hands, you know, as he launched into the water. Yes, as opposed to bloody Gary doesn't do his maintenance and brings it. He brings it. the old net spot on. You've got it. Yeah. You've got it. And and so from the philosophy we come into the reality and you've grasped the concept, Tim. That's great. Mm. You are growing, by the way. Thank that's you, Andy. Beautiful. So as we do, Tim, let's draw that all back in because a lot of that is in the ether. Let's draw it back <laughs> into some reality. And the reality is this: the owning principle applies equally to fishing triumphs as well as fishing tragedies, doesn't it? So. It does, it, actually. Yeah. You know, the, the Jimmy Gary thing is sort of owning and disowning. What we're saying is it's all got to be owned, and that is triumph or tragedy, you got to own it, or someone else is going to own it for you. Because most of the time that does apply to a stuff-up, a tragedy, a disaster. Own it on the tinny. What you're saying is it, it equally applies to triumph. Correct. In that context, I have it on very good authority from an unnamed source, of course. Mm-hmm. Another the, key tenant, by the way, of the tinny. Fundamental. I don't know what our line in the sand about uh, protecting sources is, um, but that's open for discussion if we can go off on another tangent for just a moment. Well, no, I think I think I do know what it is, and I think that um, you know the whistleblower legislation captures the tinny. We're included. We, we, we have <laughs> well, a, we my, have we have a legal duty. My to. line has always been: I'll protect the source until mm. if if I'm in a court and the judge accuses me of contempt. Yes, I'm probably going to say your name. Mm. Okay, I'm out at that point. <laughs> okay. 
Well, you've, that's... So I'll protect you to a point, but contempt of court, I'm not interested in. No, and that's a, too much going on. That's a pretty high bar, Tim. It's a high <laughs> bar, and I'm happy to I'm happy to swing on that same bar with you. That's fine. That's well high enough. Okay. I need a stool to get up and hang off that bar. Okay. More often than not, um, our sources reveal people that haven't owned tragedies. Mm. This allegedly is a lady called Helen Clark who has failed to own a Triumph, and this may well be a first for the tinny. Because mo- mo- most people are happy to own Triumphs, aren't they? Most people, you look at social media, look at Facebook, it's, it's, it's not a feed full of tragedy, is it? Even though we all have tragedy and things go wrong in our lives, we don't suddenly jump to Facebook and go, hey, this just happened, I just cut my hand off, or I just cut my finger off. Are you telling me you've got from an unnamed source a rumour, a Triumph rumour, about a former Prime Minister of New Zealand? And you're bringing that to the tinny here today? Yes, yes. It's, it's possible. I mean, there may be more than one Helen Clark out there, but let's, let's keep an open mind because we, we're going to ring this person, Tim. That's the end to this story. You want to call them? Yeah, because didn't we say when we opened this chat up, Tim, this fireside, tropical garden side chat, we opened up by saying, if you don't own it, someone else will. Have She's we... not owning it. Guess who's going to own it? Helen Clark. You got her number? Helen Clark. Just call the number, Tim. You've got the phone there. Call your number. I've got your back. You trust okay. me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Let, in. Let's, I'm in. Let's, I'm in. let's do this. I trust you implicitly. Great. Let's do this. Hello, Helen speaking. Oh, good day, Helen. Tim and Andy from Tales from the Tinny. We've got it on very good authority that you caught a sailfish and a 107 centimetre barra within the space yeah. of a couple of hours. Is, is that true, Helen? It's true, yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we just say congratulations before we ask any questions, such as, what can you tell us about that? Well, um, we actually went out in the morning with the intention of trying to catch birth. Sorry, just bear with us. Is she, she's asking where this, who's dobbed her in? Hello, Helen. Sorry, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> Helen, we must clarify that this has come from an unnamed source. Our source will not be revealed, nor is the source relevant to the discussion that's now about to ensue. <laughs> the facts are that you haven't owned this triumph yourself, and this is the repercussion. You'll get dobbed in <laughs> and you'll be forced to tell us the truth. So can we have the truth, please, Helen? <laughs> yes, you can have the truth. It's all true. We managed to raise a few sails, a couple of marlin as well, um, and then had a double hookup with sailfish. <laughs> um, so that was my first ever sailfish I ever caught. I'd caught a marlin a couple of weeks prior um, and then finally got my hands on a sailfish. <laughs> can I just say that I believe you, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> I've got pictures to prove it. Let me know if I want to send you them. Helen, our source informs us that you screamed like a banshee when you got a hand on the leader, correct? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> and I did a little happy dance as well at the front of the boat. So, yeah, double hook up with the sails. I managed to get theirs and then was like, well, let's go catch some barra. <laughs> Went down the river and literally first troll, first pass, 107, jumped to the back of the boat. <laughs> you, you just got one. Yeah. First pass. Love that everybody hates, nobody likes it. Um, everyone was saying, why are you putting that on? What's that one for? <laughs> um, yeah, there it goes. Our source also informs us, Helen, that you called the barra a catfish or shark or stingray, even though you'd been assured it was not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I didn't see it jump. Um, I was too busy looking at the front of the boat, and I'd had a few beers at that point as well. I turned around, they were all looking at the back of the boat in awe. Hang on. I was like, what is it? Hang on, you, you hooked the fish, was, yep. were looking the other way, had a few yep. beers, didn't see it jump, called it for well, a stingray. Yep, <laughs> when, they, when they'd already seen the barra jump. 
one person had seen it jump and the others were all kind of jumping on the bandwagon. They were like, it's a barret. And no. I was like, no, no, it's too heavy. It's not jumping. No, it's no, we just, shape, Helen, nothing. we just saw it. it. It's silver. We know what a barret looks like. It, it's a barret. <laughs> yeah, but you're talking to the, the group of boys that pull on my line every time I turn my head. Oh, don't you? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I've got mates like that. You yeah, don't need them. It's not, you don't need mates like that. Look, our source also informs us that you, at this time, you again screamed and danced like an absolute loon when you saw it stick its head up. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it true? <laughs> that is, correct. is it true at this time that your drunken alter ego Shazza took your place on the boat? <laughs> Did she? Yeah. Shazza took yeah, over. Apparently so. Apparently she made an appearance. <laughs> 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 um, well, the boys are pretty jealous, but um, I think they got over it. I think they were all pretty excited once we saw the fish next to the boat. We didn't realise how big it was at first. Um, and then as soon as we got it next to the boat, it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was my first ever sale and my first ever metering all in the same day. <laughs> Why is it that you haven't already owned this Triumph voluntarily to Tales from the Tinny? <laughs> I don't know. I guess just not really... <laughs> not really something I was going to put out there. <laughs> it's out there, Helen. <laughs> yeah, well, it is now. Yeah, don't worry, I'm going to kill him when I see him. I know exactly who it was. As soon as I came into work this morning, he was like, "Got a conference call at nine thirty. They're going to call you mobile." The source has revealed himself. Definitely. Oh, oh you mean Keith Huddleston and Trung Bo Lee? Oh yeah, those two. <laughs> Helen, have you learned? Yep. Have you learnt your lesson? Not to take the boys fishing anymore. Yeah. No, the other <laughs> lesson, Helen. <laughs> What's the other lesson? You have a duty to the church. <laughs> what are the repercussions for the person who you think dobbed you in? It's one of three, all three, sir. Go, all three are in the doghouse. Go give them all a slap in the mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> See you, Helen. See you. Have a great day. See you later. Okay. You too. Bye. <laughs> You'd have to guess that one was on the finis, given locations, or one of the finisses or finisaces. Yes, you would. That'd be my suspicion. And look, uh, folks, if you have someone not willing to own their own monumentally epic catch, just get in touch with the Tinny Investigations team. Mm. I don't need to spell that acronym out, do I? Where we can help them uh, step into the limelight. Even if it's the last place on earth they actually want to be, we can make that happen. For shows, angling is definitely one of those activities where as soon as you think... You know what you're doing? Your pants are around your ankles. Now, that's never more true than with Barramundi, where you do the hours, you're sussing the lures, the tides, the water temp, everything. You get some success, and you think you cracked it. It's a tantalising idea that actually all I have to do now is apply this knowledge, and the esky will be full. No, it won't. No, it won't. Anyway, top end Barra series stalwart Clayton Archbold, uh, he was tantalised by this thought uh, very recently after a, a good run of success. G'day, Clayton. G'day, Beard. How you going, buddy? Yeah, good. Take me back two months to where the seed of this tantalising fallacy began to germinate. I've had a pretty good run this dry season in catching barra in the harbours. Basically, it all sort of started. I mean, I'm a long-term barra fisherman, uh, but usually I just fish the big tides. So I'm not fishing deep tides. I'm old school. But obviously, I'm in the Tebs comp, uh, myself and my partner, Sonia. Tebs this year, they had a couple of rounds which are actually on neap tides, and one of them was the Bino round, which was in July. Now, July is generally cold. I was uh, very nervous about going fishing. I thought, shit, I better, um, better work out a few spots that, that I can fish. So I got with a couple of mates, and we just uh, started going out to Bino, 
trying to work out different areas and different ways to catch fish. Because when you find on the neat ties, the barra, they're not where they normally are on the, um, the big ties. They're not in the gutters. They're not in those big feeder creeks. I had no idea, to be honest. Came up to the Tebs and I wasn't confident, to be honest. I'd found a few fish and I'd seen a few fish. I sort of knew a few areas. I thought, okay, well, if I've seen them, they must be there. What do those areas have in common? I found the key for them is they've got to be out of the wind. So when you talk of neat ties, you've got water clarity, so water's nice and clear. You can see stuff. But as soon as you get that wind or that ripple on the surface or you get the wind makes it muddy, you can't see anything and it basically destroys the area. So I got on the old um, bomb. There's some really good sites there which show wind direction and all that, looking at maps and trying to work out which parts of the, of the system will be out of the wind at certain times. Got Sonia on the, the Thames round, said, righto, she's a good fisherman, a fisherwoman, but she loves catching fish. If we're not catching fish, oh man, there's a world of trouble. So we fished a spot that I had marked out, didn't do very well. I got, I think I got one fish, which is like 55, and, and basically the spot I thought I'd get some fish, they were there, but not, you know, not, not as I thought. So it was a, it was a struggle. We ended up having the wind picked up. We ended up having to try and find another spot. I went to a spot I've never been to. When I fished with Sonia, I put her at the front of the boat, so I've got an electric motor. I'm at the back of the boat, and I don't know whether she's not tuned in to seeing fish, but um, she wasn't seeing any fish. And you know, she sat down for a break, and I got up the front there, and all of a sudden, hang on, there's a barra. There's a barra. There were barra literally all over the all over the system, all up on those flats. We spent a couple of hours just hunting these barra. And that, I mean, they were in pods, and they were in twos and threes and fives, and and they were, but they were very flighty. So, how did you go on that Saturday bino tebs round? So I got 155 and Sonia got a, a donut. On the way home, she told me I'm not coming, I'm back on Sunday. She said, you can get stuffed. I pleaded with her, I said, come on, it'll be better, the tide's a bit bigger. Nah, not doing it. So I went back there and I went to the other, the new spot I'd found, and I had the best day ever. I spent the whole day chasing pods of barramundi around. What I worked out was, if they're moving, leave them alone, just watch them, but they always sit under the trees. And it's not just any mangrove tree, it's the big mangrove tree that sort of sits out from the gutters, they're like lone trees and those branches in the water you go up to them underneath the branches they all sit they all pile up under there probably wasn't until the tide came in and the actual water dirtied up a little bit so just so they probably couldn't see me but i pulled nine barrow in an hour out of that and ended up getting five fish for the comp and came i think i came fifth in the comp for that round so this was the beginning of you thinking hang on a minute i think i've sussed this out mate it was an absolute pinging moment and i went shit I can actually go and catch fish on neap tides now. So since then, I go out on the big tides, catch barra there, no worries, and then I'll be going out on the neap tides, and it's and it's just a, it's just a whole other world of fishing. So since that bino round, you've done a few missions. Tell me about some of your success on them. I learned something more. They do move around, so you'd go there and go, they're not there, but you just go slightly different, or like to a rock bar in the front of the area, or up around the corner, and we'd find them again. You know, me and my mate Kizzy, we mate, we're finding fish here. I don't reckon we've come back from a, a trip out in that area without getting at least four keepers and you know seven or eight fish that we've caught. Before we get to the the pants down your ankles part of this story, I just want to know how that feels to to feel that power of being a holder of such knowledge. It's good. It's really good. Um, actually, Sonia said to me, she goes, "Oh, when did it go from fishing every fortnight to fishing every week? You know?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, the fish are on." You know, and she sort of she, she told me, you know, after the bino round, "I'm not going fishing with you until you can guarantee me a fish." And like every week for the last you know, six or seven weeks, I've been coming back with four or five barrow in the esky, and she's still not. That's not good enough guarantee for her. I'm like, well, I don't know how much better it can get. So um, I thought I had it sussed. 
leading up to the saltwater, the uh, Adelaide River um, round of the Tebs, really neap tides. I thought, okay, well, I'll use the skills and the knowledge I've sort of gained over the last six or eight weeks to to find those similar spots. So I'm looking at maps, I'm talking to you know, my mates, I'm talking to guys from the tackle shop and trying to work out where to go, when, stage of tide. So Sonia and I went out on Saturday, fished all day. I reckon I did like nearly 20 litres of fuel in my four-stroke. That's a lot of, I did some case chasing fish. Um, but yeah, we uh, we donated, we got nothing. We didn't even, it didn't even look like catching a fish. Man. I went to spots that, you know, it looked perfect. They should be there. I know they'll be there. I've, I've, I've probably caught them there in the bigger ties where you got a bit, bit more run. But in the neats, mate, they just put me, schooled me, put me back to zero. <laughs> the two completely different systems. Do you actually really think that you could transfer the knowledge that you'd gleaned from Bino and take it to the Adelaide River? I must be naive. I actually thought I'd be able to do that, you know. But uh, it, it's certainly nice and clear in the Adelaide but not certainly not as clear as those harbour arms you know you can't see the fish there's no way you'll see them unless you really see them and uh, mate we tried everything we uh, we flicked mangrove edges we picked the big trees that should have them we did everything that I would normally do and and be successful and uh, we come up with a a big zero it was a tough day for her and she uh, wasn't overly happy (laughs) because she hadn't fished since the failed uh, day at at Bino and had just watched you bring in fish on multiple trips in the, the intervening weeks her expectation was reasonably high uh, and I disappointed her big time Sonia said to me yeah I'm not coming tomorrow I said oh I'd probably wised up a bit by then so I actually had another mate sort of teed up just in case she did the old pull out of the rug you had one in waiting in the wings I had a, I had a reserve and and uh, Sunday mate it was a bit of a double up of uh, the Saturday mate they should be here we know they're here they've they got to be here mate, they were not there we tried spot after spot it was, yeah, it was a bit embarrassing. So where does this leave you, Clayton Archbold, having thought that you'd had it sussed and then a visit to the Adelaide, as it, as it tends to do to people, pulling their pants down? Where does that leave you and the knowledge that you've gleaned and your standing in your own mind of what kind of barra fisher you are? It puts me back to square one, or otherwise it's just the Adelaide. And that temptress, mate, you just never can trust her. She'll fire or she won't, so... I don't know, I'm going to have to pick another neap tide and try my old spot and see if I've still got it or I'm just uh, going nowhere. Barra don't have middle fingers, but you kind of think that maybe they should. Oh, they definitely do. You ask Sonia, she'll tell you all about it. They don't abide by the rules. The sounder in the boat tells lies. The blokes at the tackle shop, they're just just con men. She'll tell you they're Barra just tough. So um, I think she might be right in that case. Hey, uh, Sonia... Everything you reckon is true. It's pretty hard not to roll with those uh, feelings of empowerment, though, isn't it? You know, I've bloody cracked it, you think. No, you haven't. You just... You just haven't. (laughs) Mind you, this sounds like it's just, uh, you know, perhaps Andy, uh, the Adelaide's fault. It's no one else's fault but the Adelaide. That's the river version of a Gary... It is a river version of it, Gary. That's exactly what it is. He also did a couple of batteries on that trip and uh, ended up, how's this, using the canopy as a sail to try and (laughs) sail back to the ramp. But of course the wind died. Um, They eventually got towed back. Anyway, look, in the end, Kai Argent uh, took out the round with five legal fish, 82 centimetres. There were 40 scoring fish according total. Um, See, 40 fish. Yeah, 40 fish. So the few reports that did come into Evan Dixon... 
um, one of the Tebs behind the scenes crew there, indicated that the fish were hiding deep in the snags and that you really had to be an accurate pinpoint laser cast to get them. To get them, right. Anyway, they're off to the billabongs for the next round. Well, that's it from us, Fishos, for another week here on the Tinny. Thanks to Andrew Veal, and good luck with the surgery, mate, seriously. Um, cheers to Andrew Cleland and, and to Helen Clark. That's not the former New Zealand Prime Minister, uh, but the one that catches billies and meet a barra in the same day. What a yarn. Um, thanks also to Pete on Corroboree, Marty Brain, uh, and, of course, the Ayatollah. Oh, no. oh, no, we didn't talk to him this week. No, we didn't. He's camp drafting again. He is. Thanks anyway, though. Hey, yeah. no, thanks for just being there. For the community out there on the back of your horsey, Warren. And finally, thanks to Clayton Archbold, whose persistence earned him what uh, truly felt like actual knowledge. And whose partner, Sonia, demonstrated the kind of accusatory paranoia uh, that's common amongst the at least temporarily fishless. They don't abide by the rules. The sounder in the boat tells lies. The blokes at the tackle shop, they're just, they're just con men. She'll tell you they're para, just tough. It's all true, bud.